I am recording. Are you? I am now. Taylor. Taylor. I am now. Happy Podcast Wednesday, my friend. Happy Podcast Wednesday. Also, like everybody else in the TikTok world, I am now like doing this thing with my fingers all the time. The like gun thing, like, but that's like just how you talk. You're not actually shooting anybody. Yeah, I'm doing that a lot. So that's a problem. Interesting. Yeah, like that. Exactly. I feel like like I'm that. I think you do that. Do this. Yeah, I think you do mm-hmm. it often. I'm a trendsetter. That's what you're saying. <laughs> No, because I started I, it. I think you do this when you're like, I think it's funny how, or <laughs> if, if you're saying like, I know this, like if it's one of those moments, then you do it, but you mm-hmm. don't do it like all the time. Also, I, uh-uh. do I sound congested? I feel really congested. I feel like my allergies are acting Uh-oh. up and it's fall. So what the fuck is that? But God how bless do you know you. it's allergies? How do you know it's not Rona? <laughs> Oh, I mean, I guess it could be, but I don't feel sick. I don't have a okay, fever. Okay, that's good. But also, that doesn't really mean anything with Rona either, but that's good. Oh, uh, I mean, I can still taste and smell things, so... Okay, that makes me feel better. You're our age demographic, that's usually what goes. Oh, uh, where, yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I can, all of that is good. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, I actually have a few things I want to say. The first okay. one is, I really, truly, well, one, welcome to One Black Cracks. Woo! Um, <laughs> I really, truly want to thank our viewers mm. for tuning in. You all are incredible. Oh, um, this is so sweet. Okay. I just, I, you know, I look at the numbers often. Yeah, and like, yeah. The numbers are popping, and it's because people oh. are out there supporting us, and I oh. appreciate that big time. So, yeah, thank you. Oh, thanks, y'all. I never look at the numbers, but I just, like, hopefully they're out there. Sounds like you are, so thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, and then number two? we have another guest. Well, oh. we have another guest, but before yeah. that, I need to check in with you about girlfriends because <laughs> I <laughs> met Lynn's sister. Ah! <laughs> uh, First how of all. do you feel about it? First of all, I was so stressed out. Oh, wait, can I just say spoiler alert for anybody else who's out there watching with us who hasn't gotten that far. You might want to just skip like five minutes or whatever. Also, I'm like the slowest watcher of girlfriends ever. So if you haven't gotten this far just yet, I do apologize, but you're slower than me. So it sucks to suck. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay. It really stressed me out, and I know it's not a bad word, but it really stressed me the fuck out how often they said wigger. Oh. That was so stressful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why did they say that? Because it was like Call her a wankster. <sighs> stressed me out. It's but, um, <laughs> I just, I, the fact that, like, okay, the fact that she did not grow up in a predominantly black area and just decided mm-hmm. to take on black culture mm-hmm. is extremely infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. I will say it was somewhat sweet at the end. 
when she was like, I did this for you, Lynn. Like, I wanted you to, like, see black culture around you, given our upbringing. But then still, after Lynn was like, I don't need that from you anymore. And once they were like, homegirl, you're white. Please don't say nigga. Like, she was still like, when I want to say it. And she just continued to, like, put on this black persona. Even after everyone was like, stop. So that was fucking annoying. But, wow, I'm so glad you met Lynn's sister. <laughs> I, you know, there were just, because obviously you had talked to me a bunch of times about, mm-hmm. like, I can't wait till you meet Lynn's sister. I can't wait. Yes. And no part of my being thought that that's what I would be experiencing. Um, right, I was right. like, oh, she's, like, going to be racist or... Or I was like, oh, Lynn's other, like, her sister's also adopted. She'll be black. Right. Like, I really was not expecting mm-hmm. to see Rachel Dolezal walk through <laughs> the door. And that's exactly what you texted me. <laughs> I really did. I said, I met Lynn's I sister, screaming. a.k.a. Rachel Dolezal. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was not ready for that. Yeah. Um. Uh. Also, more spoiler alerts, y'all. I apologize, but Maya is a hoe, and I'm very <laughs> upset about it because I like y'all know in one of the our more recent episodes, I was like, I mm-hmm, am Maya. Mm-hmm. She's wholesome, and you know she's got her kids and she loves her man. Right. No, Maya is a hoe, and you know what? Mm-hmm. At least mm-hmm. I will accept the fact that oh, I can't Tony. Tony knows who she is. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And I will accept that. Tony knows. But Maya's sitting here talking about something. No, yes. we're just friends. Yes. No, we're just friends. Yes. And even after cheating, her mm-hmm. being like, but like, it wasn't even really my fault though. Right. So. And that's why I know you're Tony. <laughs> <laughs> and that is why, right there. <laughs> So you had I, all this stink about it. You know who you are. I really did. I really, you know who the yep, hell you I are, and I know who the hell you are. And that's uh-huh. okay. That's yeah. okay. No, but I will say about, okay, Lynn's sister, I'm sorry to backtrack, but I just remembered I was watching. So do you know on Blackish how Tracy Ellis Ross's character, Rainbow, brought uh-huh. in the girlfriend's cast for that one episode? Oh my gosh. I Yeah. Yeah. I, what episode? It's the like, one with yes, it was the fi- oh, it's female like it's feminist, fe- yeah, the it's white, the white feminist, feminist episode, episode. exactly. Mm-hmm. And she brings in her friends, her girlfriends from girlfriends, and mm-hmm. so I was watching this interview that they all did when that episode was coming out, and it's like an hour and some change from an interview. It was nice to just watch them talk to each other, um, but they started to talk about that episode with Lynn's sister, and. Mm-hmm. Tony, the woman who plays Tony, Jill. Her name is Jill, right? I think it's Jill. Jill <laughs> is, she was like, you know, God bless that actress. I'm sure she's great. I hope she's doing wonderfully. But, like, even in that episode, she did some things that made me so uncomfortable. Like, they wrote the character like that but she really pushed the envelope in a way that nobody asked for it oh wow yeah and i was like oh, oh. that's so stressful and they were just and it was mm-hmm. i was just gonna say and it was the early 2000s so like it wasn't yeah 
like, like there wasn't really a space to be like, wait, I don't like that, and you cannot do that. Well, actually, on this set, they they were also saying they were like, yes, it was the early two thousands, but their set was mostly like women of color run, and so mm-hmm. their points of view were like really welcomed and really listened to, um, and a lot of them. I mean, they they fought for their characters often to, like, be portrayed in a certain way and to not be portrayed in Mm. another way. And, like, even with Maya, they were, like, she, you know, Golden was, like, yeah, like, Maya's a hood rat, whatever, but that's one part of her. And I really fought to make sure that, like, she was seen in other ways, too. And that wasn't, Mm -hmm. she wasn't just that stereotype. And for people to know that, like, you can, you can be that, and that may be your black experience, and also it's layered, and there's other parts of it. And so, yeah, so Jill was like, I mean, I spoke up about it, but even still, that actress, she took it. She made it her own. Mm. You give them an inch, and they take a mile. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, Um, that TikTok? (laughs) That TikTok that's like... I don't know why y'all are surprised that white people are stealing your hairstyles. They stole your grandma. <laughs> Wait, I you I told me about this TikTok, but it. I don't think I have seen it. I've I haven't sent it to you. I don't think so. Just also, so our viewers y'all... know. <laughs> I was gonna say every night or every other night, I <laughs> I dump like. 10 TikTok videos into this group chat that we're in and I make everybody watch these videos and I don't think everybody watches all of them all the time but I just get a kick out of it and so what I do is I save a bunch of them throughout the day like I like a bunch of them throughout Ah. the day so that at night I'm like here you go and I send them all to you yeah so um (laughs) I watch all of them. I don't normally watch them at night when she mm-hmm, sends them, but I'll, mm-hmm. like, call her randomly in the day to be like, Taylor, I can't respond in our group message because the moment <laughs> has passed, but I watched these TikToks. Um, but I really appreciate it. I love it. Mm-hmm. As y'all know, I don't have a TikTok. I'm really trying not to get a TikTok because Which is I for know the myself. And I know I will be super distracted with it. And I cannot be super distracted with it. Because I'm already super distracted with other social media. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to be honest with myself. But I'm slowly caving. Yeah, I yeah. Am. Anyways, um, our guest has arrived. We have a new guest. That's a friend exciting. that is near and dear to me. I'm going to let her into our waiting room. I'm so excited. I'm really I'm excited. I'm so excited. Hi, Reem. Woo! <laughs> Hi. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited Girl. to meet Sylvia's Can you believe it's 2020? Girl, it is 2020. Oh. That's crazy. Um, I'm just... just yesterday, it was 2014, <laughs> and we were slinging corn. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. All right, so I guess this is the perfect time to do the introduction. Um... This is my friend Reem, someone so near and dear to me. Um, go make me cry. We were we were in the trenches together. <laughs> Listen, um, we worked at Domino's oh, together yeah. for way too many years, um, slinging cornmeal, mm-hmm. making pizzas. 
<laughs> making way too little money. Uh, <laughs> Back in the day, can you believe we started on 725? Listen. And we thought that was money? Listen. Oh my gosh. 725 <laughs> and some really questionable child labor practices. <laughs> mm. Not mm. we were opening and closing. Yep. We won't disclose the location, uh-huh. though. Uh-huh. We were um, not 18 yet, and we were going in to open the store and staying. Like, we were working more than 12 hours a day. Um, yeah. But we did it together. Yeah. Yes. That's what made it fun. That's what made it so great. Because um, we would, here's what we I would still... do. Let me run you down a morning with us. We would come in, right? We may or may not get Starbucks. We may or may not get McDonald's. But we would always turn the oven and we would hit the cinnamon sticks. We would put them in the oven as we were putting all the food together. And by the time we were done setting up, the cinnamon sticks were ready, hot and toasty. Like I burnt the roof of my mouth so many times on those. Yep. Because we and had to eat them. It melts right away. And we had to eat before them before anyone our came. came because we didn't want him to know that we yeah. had made this food. And of that's course. how we did it. Right. Oh, oh my god, man. all the sauces we experimented with. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it? Buffalo? No, yeah, buffalo and barbecue mm-hmm. with the Fire. chicken kickers. Fire. Mm. They don't even know what chicken kickers are, I'm sure. Back in the day. Back in the day. They're um boneless tenders now. Mm-hmm. Um wait, Y'all okay, just sound so like high high schoolers. Like Truly. And <laughs> like, not not a single like, always stoned going to work. <laughs> <laughs> not a single drug was right? shared. Literally nine o'clock in the morning um but so that's my introduction of you a lot has changed since 2014 how do you introduce yourself now who are you um who am i that my friend is a lifelong uh journey of identity exploration and so i wouldn't say i have a finite answer for that but if i'm gonna hit you with my you know interview like introduce tell me about yourself Mm -hmm. so my name is reem (laughs) uh i recently graduated this past may with my master's in psychology incredible she got degrees degrees. (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's just a little piece of paper Um, (laughs) a really expensive piece of paper but let's not dwell on that um uh, and then uh, right now I'm just kind of, you know, transitioning from I was like super into like the whole academic lifestyle. I think part of me uses it as a crutch to avoid reality. But, you know, that's still something I'm figuring out. Wait, um, my whole body just so, <laughs> bent in half. Like, am Felt I it. trying to get educated or am mm. I avoiding going into the workforce? Mm. We may never know. I'm a, I'm a next step is PhD, and that's a good four to five years. Still not ready for the workforce. Maybe, but that's okay. Yeah, maybe I'll find out then. Um, but yeah, right now I'm just kind of in a transition period, um, figuring out what I want to continue my education in. Um, and I've gotten really into like a lot of nonprofit and advocacy work. Uh, and so, I mean, before I didn't have the time to really like immerse myself, but it's always been something I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Chaluvia, you and I did Amnesty International in high school. Aww. I think that's what really started. <laughs> we did, we did. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's just been very, it's been very fulfilling because I think uh, sometimes when you're not necessarily in the job you want to be in, um, you can feel kind of like, what the hell am I doing? And so I try to find purpose in other wow. things because <laughs> the economy is trash. <laughs> um, 
Um, and I really don't have any control over, you know, getting a job. Um, but yeah, the job hunt is a very sad, tragic experience. Um, but I'll, I'm going to have to keep doing it, you know, because we live in a capitalistic society. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. That's where I am. <laughs> the number of just, like, facts. And I'm like, she I'm like, like, I don't know if you know this ring, but you're speaking to my heart today. Yeah, at so many levels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we can get into it, but yeah. I honestly, I just want to hear you guys, like, take me down memory lane for a little bit. Like, mm. how was Amnesty yeah, yeah. Project? Oh, how was my that? gosh. <laughs> Uh, what yeah. what else were y'all doing in these streets in high school? <laughs> um, in high school, I mean, I wasn't really in these streets. Chalubia was the popular. Oh one. I know, my I know. Abercrombie and Fitch, <laughs> uh, Victoria's oh Secret lip gloss <laughs> in all the flavors. <laughs> <laughs> you come in on that it's so funny because yeah there is a continuous conversation between taylor and i where taylor's like mm-hmm. you were popular and i'm like no i wasn't but yes you were, you were one of those popular class? people who wasn't like you're one of those popular people who like didn't try like it just was and so i guess that's why you were not tuned into it but yeah no, oh my was popping. <laughs> oh my gosh i don't even know wow. what to say yeah wow I am I am perplexed in these moments. Uh, um, <laughs> nah, we truly I don't. We didn't really hang out together in school, but we spent literally all of our weekends together um, because yeah. we yeah. were both working. We spent our summers together. Yeah, listening to a lot of ratchet music. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, trying to make some money. I think that's so interesting, though. Yeah, we didn't really do the whole like traditional like hang out, party with our friends, whatever, whatever. Maybe every once in a while, Uh like we were in the workforce, like we were working many (laughs) hours, too many hours. Yep. Um, and I don't know how much of that was because we wanted to. Those checks were nice, though. I'm Mm -hmm. not even gonna lie. Mm -hmm. When they when they direct deposited, that got me through another two weeks. Because I was like, okay, it's not that. There was there was one time. This is so illegal. It is so illegal. But I was underage, and it just Mm -hmm. so happened it was right after everybody went to college. So there was like no one to work other than me, and I was opening Mm -hmm. and I was working twelve hour days, and I worked twelve hour days for two weeks straight. And my paycheck came, and after taxes at seven twenty-five an hour after taxes, I had nine hundred dollars, and I was like sixteen years old. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Yeah. We were making bank. Um, can, <laughs> Reem, can I? Can you tell one of my favorite stories? <laughs> and we'll, we can bleep his name out, yeah. but Give me when. <laughs> We worked with some really interesting people. Let me Spell tell you, I tea. personally, <laughs> I think when I reflect on these things, it's, it's, I think they've kind of like rooted this like deep, like lack of desire for getting into a relationship <laughs> or even affiliating <laughs> with the opposite sex because Damn. Um, this individual who we will not name mm-hmm. was a strange, strange person. Um, God bless him. 
Um, one day, he came up to Chaluvia and I after we were, like, done with a long shift. He, he came up to Chaluvia and I. He was like, oh, do you guys want to go get um, frozen yogurt? Because there was a frozen yogurt place in the shopping center we worked at. And we were like, okay. Um, and we also get a discount because we work in the shopping center. And so this man loaded up his cup, loaded up his cup, and I paid, and he didn't say anything, and I was like, that's weird. You would think, but okay, let's not conform to gender <laughs> norms, whatever. Let's all each pay as individuals. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, um, and so then Chaluvia goes up to pay, and tell me why this man puts his cup on the scale with Chaluvia's ice cream. I'm like, wait a minute. Let's see how this pans out. Let me not jump the gun. And then he goes, he just... <laughs> looks at Shalubia and she looks at him and he's like oh I don't have my wallet I was like why would you go yeah. out of your way to ask us if we want to go why don't you just be straightforward from the beginning like hey I want some frozen yogurt can one of you take me like that's what it was like that's what you wanted so I don't know why you're trying to line it as like you're inviting us out we taking you out like what frozen yogurt is not expensive but it's just the situation was weird I was like um, but it's the principle better you than me my friend exactly. <laughs> yeah I was just like yep. so uh, that was that was the night that I ate, apparently that I guess I and then an oh my god someone else <laughs> yes you did yes you did <laughs> even though he had a girlfriend <laughs> Anyways. Oh, shoot. Um, and then that was another time. Uh-uh. 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 Listen. No, she, was, she did not know. Homegirl with the Victoria's Secret lip gloss. Oh, my God. Pushing up on somebody else's The mocha one. Nope. The brown one with the gold nope. flex. Nope. Ooh. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I never pushed up um, on anybody's man. Yes, that's not true. I was in true. that mess. She was minding he her was business. Interested. Yeah. Um, I was minding my business. But there was someone else working <laughs> I with listen. us. I would I would not listen. I would try to be on the oven or far away from the make line. Because when you're on the make line, you're like shoulder to shoulder with people. And it's just like a rush, right? Mm-hmm. And so one day I had to go on the make line. And all the ingredients are like, they have letters for abbreviations. So like, I think R is black olive and P is pepperoni. And for some reason, chicken is D-U, like capital D, lowercase U. And so one day I was working on the make line, and I passed the pizza down, and I'm like, hey, so-and-so, can you put chicken on the pizza? And he's like, what? And I was like, D-U is chicken. Can you put it on the pizza? He's like, I'll put my D in you. I was like, that is not what I asked for, kind sir. Please just throw the chicken on the pizza. Wait, I don't know that story. Think, <laughs> Wait, who was that? It was our friend. It was not the one that took us to ice cream, and it was not the one who was a gifted individual. We will bleep it out. <laughs> we will bleep it out. We gotta bleep that one out, too, because, yeah, that's identifiable. Gifted yep. individual. Ain't nobody else walking around with that tattoo on their forehead. <laughs> <laughs> he is one of, I can bet you, one of seven billion. Yeah, He's the only yeah. one with that on. Yeah. He's like, I have it on as a reminder What's the tattoo? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Gifted? He has gifted individual. and then individual. <laughs> Get out. Get Big out. as fuck. Yeah. That's fucking down. annoying. And he was on the football team. Um, let's just say he didn't go it's to like college. It's like those old English characters. Mm-hmm. He didn't go to college. He didn't make it to the NFL. None of, but he's a gifted individual. Mm. Cute. But wow. you know, there is that theory that says that when we're awake we're actually asleep and everyone we meet in real life is just a piece of ourselves in a dream 
You know what I'm saying? Girl. So, like... I don't see how any of those pieces <laughs> could be my... <laughs> like, like... Because if that's the case, who am I? Exactly. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> what? Oh, like, man. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so that's a walk down memory lane. <laughs> yeah, Domino's was weird. It was kids acting childish and adults acting even more childish Mm -hmm. and i think that was one of the places that kind of made me question my faith in humanity because i was like is this what i'm living for is this my community Mm -hmm. of humans (laughs) (laughs) like what um yeah luckily i had a comrade in these battles because because me and chalubia in the middle of all this nonsense we were like this could never be us we are gonna get out of here. I was like, yes, go oh preach as we were making the pizza. Yo, oh my gosh, yes. Oh. I remember us getting our college acceptances and just being like, yes. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. um, and wait. then we quit and they were like, oh, you're leaving? And I was like, hell yeah, we're leaving. I don't know what the hell mm-hmm. you thought this was. <laughs> you're here for just wow. to get that check and rock. I'm not trying to yep. go into management. Not that that's like not good, but I, was, I needed to break the cycle. Mm-hmm. Yo, man, hey, man, Domino's management is rough. That is not a life you want to live. It is tough. No, it's hard. And I like firsthand. My dad does it now. This man, like, if someone doesn't show up for work, he has to cover their mm-hmm. shift and his shift. So mm-hmm. he'll easily be at the store all day, mm-hmm. like over twelve hours yeah. a day. I'm like, this is not it. This is not it. Yeah. Even though I think it's like sa- a salaried position. Yeah, it's a lucrative. And so that's even worse right. because. Because you could well, work yeah, but for like, hours Even hours. if you put in more, like, you're still getting paid the same amount. And so it doesn't, like, always, I don't know. I don't know if it outweighs. I think once you get into, like, executive, like, admin, or not admin stuff, but, like, higher mm-hmm. up, like, your field supervisor and stuff like that, or an auditor, maybe. Um, but us, you know, us common folk on the big pine. Making pizzas. Um. But it was a blessing nonetheless. Yeah. I think it taught us a lot, you know. I feel like it really, like, shaped our character and, like, helped develop our work ethic. Because I don't think a lot of people our age were ready to, like, make that sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I sacrificed that much of a social life. But my sisters do be clowning me sometimes, talking about, you're old. <laughs> you're lame. Um, but whatever. That it's, at least I don't, my sentences aren't TikToks or memes. Like, they speak in memes. And so, I'd be like, okay, at least I can still hold a conversation without saying, like, um, what's it called? What are the ones that are on TikTok now? Let me remember. Oh, my God. Am I exposing myself? Uh, what's it called? And I, whoop, you know, like something like that in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> Even though it makes conversation spicy, like I don't need it. It's just decoration, you know? I'm like, Rima's so coming for really my neck. Here? Yep, yep. She's, You're coming for my coming neck for right you. now. <laughs> Um, no, I was, no, but I'm sure you don't like. It's not like your whole sentence is just a meme. Like, yeah, just, no, it'll no, incorporate no. it within but it's the in conversation. There. Yeah, it's in there for sure. But these kids, it'll be like meme. Like they say a meme, they send one, they receive a meme. I'm just like, what did they even say? <laughs> like, okay, I'll admit I'm out of the loop. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Listen, I'm so far out of the loop. I didn't even know that this is how the youngins are communicating these days. I had no idea yeah um wait okay or like chaluvia can i tell you something really concerning i work out right um i don't know if we have to bleep that out but whatever i work out and so i'll be at the cash register and um 
like these teenagers will be in line with their parents and they're literally like they're not standing still like they're doing tiktok dances in the line i'm just like what the heck like it's like in their oh, souls the now like they're being controlled by tiktok i was like <laughs> this is really scary they're like little zombies and then they'll go out and like buy like collabs of like famous influencers or whatever like everything they do is so influenced by i'm not going to generalize and say all of them but it's the ones that are are so hardcore mm-hmm. about it and i'm just like what like, back in our day, we would wait in line for Harry Potter books to launch. Yes. Even though the author is low-key problematic now. <laughs> but it was more, it was more wholesome yep. back in the day. Yep. Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah, that one hurt. This yeah. can't... Cancel culture is... Uh, it's taking the best of me. I'm struggling with it. It's taking everyone mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are a few people that I'm not ready yeah. to cancel. Um, Wait, it's actually really funny because <laughs> I planned on bringing you into this conversation because we right before you joined we were talking about tiktok (laughs) yeah and i was gonna ask do you have a tiktok i do not i do not i started uh watching them my sister would just send them to me um the links and then now people i guess are re-uploading it on reels on instagram because tiktok is about to be banned um but they've been saying that for the longest time now and so yeah it's all i don't know Listen, it's a conspiracy. You know how many people got on TikTok because they thought it was going to be banned? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, it's just like, wait, Mm -hmm. actually, we just found a loophole to stay. Yeah. 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 Wait, do your sisters do this all the time with their fingers? Period. Yeah, Yeah, that's why I do it now, too, because they're like, I was like, I'm hip, too. I can do it, too. Look, guys, look, guys, look, guys, look, guys. Um, so, um, I don't know. I just kind of, like, absorb, like, a sponge because I refuse to be old Mm -hmm. (laughs) in spirit. Yeah, I think that's what Um, it is for me. I'm like, I just don't want to be old yet. And I'm getting there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's influencing the culture, honestly. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not even, like, it just kind of becomes, like, people adopt it as part of, like, their, like, vernacular. And, like, even the behavior, like... I mean, we all, well, I mean, our family, like, usually talks with their hands, and so now they're just doing whatever. It's whatever, just hands. You know? like, <laughs> it's like, it's just hands now. We're all just miming all the time. Like, eventually, we don't have to speak. We'll just, you know, do all of these, like, give a look and just be like, you know, like, it's just not gonna, it's all gonna be nonverbal eventually. Truly. Aww. Um... Yeah. What, what are you doing? What nonprofits? What kind of work are you doing? Tell us. Um, so right now I'm the vice president of Moving Forward Sudan, um, which is a nonprofit that focuses on supporting the Sudanese diaspora in the DMV area um, through programs and events and services. And so some of our like longstanding programs are like our college mentorship, which we're in right now. And we're about to restart our tutoring, which is K through 12. Um, next month hopefully Um, and then we do like social events um, but also like discussion series like unpacking a variety of topics and so um, I think for me for a really long time I was kind of dissociating from my culture and trying to like assimilate into American culture Um, and so for me this has been a way to kind of reconnect with my community and it's been really enriching this far um and also like just like a lot of leadership experience i think a lot of the things i've learned from it have kind of translated into like real life and some of the opportunities that i'm dabbling in now and so it's been great i have until next september 
And then I don't know if I'm going to run again. I think it just depends on where I am at life. But it's been like a really, it's been a really transformative experience so far. Um, so that's the main one. Through social media, like other opportunities have come up um, where like organizations in Sudan. Um, so my parents immigrated from the States from Sudan. And so um, a lot of uh, nonprofit work or like grassroots organizations have reached out to like collaborate um, some like kind of like informational content with like other artists and creatives. Um, I've always like admired like people who are able to create and I've never really seen myself as being able to do that. Um, but I've kind of learned like through trial and error that like you can really do whatever you want. It doesn't necessarily have to be good because like the fun part is in the evolution of it. And so that's how mm. I've kind of like encouraged myself to like stick with it. Um, and so, yeah, that's been really exciting, too, because these are things that I've always wanted to do, but I never saw myself doing it. Um, but like it's like sometimes you really can't visualize certain things and you just kind of have to like start and see how it goes. So that's that's been my social media journey. <laughs> um, and here we are today invited on the this wonderful podcast um but yeah what were you gonna say Julia? um well thank you for being here we're so happy (laughs) but I was gonna ask you you said that like you feel like you were really trying to assimilate into American culture and like Mm -hmm. not really embrace Mm -hmm. your Sudanese culture and I'm like what ways did you feel like you were assimilating Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what pieces were you losing Um, Mm-hmm. That was my second part of yeah. that question. <laughs> so, um, for me, I think ever since elementary school, like, because when you're at home, like, the way the American education system works, like, you don't enter kindergarten until you're four. Mm-hmm. And so, up until then, like, the primary language spoken in my house was Arabic. And so, my mom and dad were mama and baba at home. And so, when I would go into, like, I'm in, mean, like, immersed in this new environment where everyone's like, mom, dad uh grilled cheese like you know like I'm just like what (laughs) Um, and so then (laughs) like when we're talking about food and you're in kindergarten picking your snack um or whatever it may be um so when I say like if I say mama or if I say baba everyone's like what that's so weird but you know it's like kids but whatever they're I guess influential when you're in that age (laughs) I mean um many ages or whatever especially in your teens but um just feeling like othered by other people and so I just kind of did not like do things that would identify me as other be it like speaking my language or like um like bringing food from home to school I would always like eat what was at the cafeteria or whatever even though my mom is a great cook and I really could have packed my lunches Yo, and saved is. myself the trouble of eating <laughs> the trouble of eating chicken chunks <laughs> and a bowl of pineapple or whatever it may be at the cafeteria um someone really needs to check these school cafeterias um but whatever <laughs> um So yeah, uh, I think that's just kind of how it started and then it kind of evolved and like when you're in your teens and you're going through puberty, for me, I started like developing earlier than my peers Um, and so I started getting taller and like more like curvy and so it was weird because people would see me as older than as I am and so that was uncomfortable Um, but also just like my hair and like the way I looked. I like growing up in like a suburban predominantly white area of course you're gonna stick out as a black girl like stick stick out like a sore thumb especially in Ashburn like I could I could I think Mm. there was a time in high school I could name all the black people in our school um because that's just Mm. how few there were 
Um, and so, like, trying to straighten my hair, trying to put makeup on or whatever. Um, but even, like, socializing, like, for me, my parents are very, like, they don't want us, like, spending the night or hanging out with people they personally don't know. But I was like, y'all are lame. You're killing my social vibe. Like, I want to go sleep over with Bethany. Like, you know, like, <laughs> as a teenager, you don't get it. <laughs> but there are, like, these cultural things that just are what they are. And it's not necessarily always oppressive. Like, you just don't understand. Because you really don't know people. Like, you can't trust them with your kids. That is a separate tangent I won't get into. Um, so, yeah, just kind of misunderstanding where my parents' parenting came from. And kind of, like, demonizing them mm-hmm. and thinking, like, they're just cramping my style. Um, but then when you get older, you kind of learn to appreciate these things and put it back into context. And the things that you thought made you less than so like being um Sudanese being Muslim or whatever it may be um kind of become the things that make you unique and actually give you more power and so learning that through my experience in college and kind of being more intentional with seeking those experiences out um have kind of made me like fall back into like a better like blended state of identity um and a lot of like my academic research and stuff has been like focused on identity development Um, And so learning that it's actually healthier to kind of attain like a hyphenated sense of identity. And when I say that, Mm -hmm. I mean like pulling the good from each culture rather than trying to like be on either extreme. Um, So yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. I hope it did. (laughs) You definitely did. Um, (laughs) I I mean, I I think that's the thing that like goes into how come we both worked so much is like we, like me being African, um... It was, mm-hmm. like, our, our soul, this is what is so crazy to me that you thought I was popular because I'm like, girl, we spent Friday mm-hmm. nights, like, football <laughs> nights at Domino's. Like, we, our social yeah, lives yeah. look very similar. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, like, so interesting to me. Because, like, yeah, I wasn't, mm-hmm. I, I think, wasn't going to football I think what games. It was, I wasn't going to was, sleepovers um, like that. At school, you were more, like, social. Like, you would talk to more people. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, I was more introverted. And I, like, only talk to a handful of people. And so that was just me. That's just a difference in personality. And so I think that's why I saw it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no. Those, um, yeah. we were, like, in Domino's every weekend. And so that was that. And then the one time we did try to go out, <laughs> it would always get messed up. I mean, even, um, even though you so. two spent, like, your Friday nights together at Domino's, to me, it, from the conversations that I've had with Jalobia, it does sound mm-hmm. like you two were approached differently or just like I don't know like it seems like you relate it to your culture in a different way or to your blackness in a different way and that other people relate it to your blackness in a different way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no I think for both of us probably like people would like I mean I don't know I've always been curious about the way people perceive me and, like, also being, like, a Muslim woman, I actually wore the hijab for a year and a half and, like, noticing how that shifted as well, like, how people would interact with me. Because I think perception mm-hmm. and interaction, like, someone could be biased towards you but still manage yeah. to, like, treat you in a non-biased way. So it's very hard to tell. Um, mm-hmm. But when things are, like, like you can visually see them, because sometimes, like, I'll go out, or I used to be part of, like, Remember campus in high school, Chaluvia? That was, like, this college readiness program mm-hmm. that they invited, like, um, minority groups to just to kind of make sure, like, they graduated high school and got into college. I didn't And so I invited. participated. <laughs> I didn't. 
I don't know why they invited me. I didn't I didn't get invited either, but my guidance Damn. counselor made me do it. <laughs> and so we would yeah. go to college tours and we would be with other students from other high schools. Um and one day I was sitting uh and we were at like a what's it called? Like just like a Q&A session. And this girl pulls my ponytail like when my hair was still long and she's like, "Where are you from?" I was like, where are you from? Because where I'm from, people don't pull ponytails like that. Um, <laughs> and, and because where did because that my have, <laughs> because my um, I guess my hair texture was like not like I don't know whatever it may be. She did not think that my hair texture belonged on my like on me. She's like, what? I don't I don't. How is this coming together? Um, but you know, mm. my response to that question I think has like evolved with time. But no, even like the way other black people perceive me, because like, even though I think racially I identify as black, like there's obviously ethnic influences that kind of impact mm-hmm. the way I interact with others. And so that's always been difficult, like For kind sure. of not being black enough and not being like Arab enough and not being American enough um, and feeling kind of like you're in like a, mm-hmm. a binary I think like our society makes it so like you have to be either or like you can't exist just all at once um and so yeah that's been tough but kind of like claiming all of it and being like this is who I am and existing Mm -hmm. and like living in it I think has been like more empowering being hyphenated yeah um but yeah I was just gonna say I'm like I think the thing that impacted the way that people interacted with us at work was like that you were Arab Mm -hmm. and like um one we worked with a lot of Arabs yeah because a lot of the people at our job Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. and like with I think you were given more of like an innocence um or like that's so interesting yeah like like the way they would talk to you yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah some people have me fucked up (laughs) yeah sorry And I'm like, and yeah. they would never with Reem because like she was just like so sweet mm. and innocent and and I I mean I remember like you kind of trying to like push back against that and be like wait no like I like I'm not super sweet and innocent and all of these things that you are putting on me even though you were love you yeah. that you were um, <laughs> but I remember that pushback of like I don't want people to only see me mm. as that. Yeah, I think that's something I still struggle with because I think out of all my identities, I think my womanhood is, like, one thing I haven't really explored, like, what that means to me. Like, I focus on, like, my, like, my ethnic identity, my religious identity, and everything else, and that kind of always falls last for some reason, even though, like, as I exist in society, it's one of the main things that kind of influences how people see me. And so that's been really interesting. Um... But yeah, I think for me, like, yeah, I feel like I'm always, like, treated as, like, an infant, especially by other people in my community, but I think that just comes from, like, outdated, like, gender stereotypes of how, like, a woman is, like, always needing protection or supervision, and so I think that's where that came from, not, it could have been also a place of care, like, I don't doubt that both of those intentions existed simultaneously, but yeah, no, I always thought that was weird, Mm. And I wondered where that came from. Because they'd be like, Chaluvia, slap these pizzas. And they'll be like, Reem, do you want some of this chicken or whatever? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, what? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so I was just like, uh. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know um, what was going through their heads when it came to that. But that was, yeah. I'm wondering. interesting you bring that up. I'm wondering right now, Taylor, like, as another mm-hmm. black woman, I'm like, 
How were you treated in the workforce? Like, who? Mm. I don't know. What was your... Like, right now, or like in high school. I'm just going to say in high school, because that's mostly what we're talking about here. In high school. Um, yeah. I worked at a restaurant mm. with a lot of, like, old white women, and they just, I don't know, they treated me like a child, because I was one. Um, and I will say, I mean, there were a couple times where, like, so I worked in a restaurant where it was, like, outskirts of Pittsburgh. Not, like, outskirts, but, like, right outside the city, more north, and predominantly, like, white township. And so the people that would frequent the restaurant were mostly white people. And so occasionally there were definitely people who were like, oh, you're going to Penn State, like which campus might be like main campus and like they were excited or like they're just like oh my god congratulations but like I always felt like I wouldn't have received that answer if I was white and there were definitely moments where people have said racist like blatantly racist things to me or like to a co-worker because they were white they were white they could say that to them and say behind my back when I walked away into the kitchen and that was fine um and so I know that that's happened a few times. Um, working with the people that I worked with, I just know that I worked with one... There were only ever, like, three or four black people, I feel like, that were, like, servers or hostesses in that restaurant, myself being one of them. Um, and most of the other people of color worked in the back whether they were a cook or like prep people or like bus boys and I don't know like I just remember I feel like back in I want to say 2014 but I'm not sure but I I just remember that there was a moment where like at Penn State everyone was doing like the like blackouts and like they were holding like protests and things like in the hub or on the or on the main lawn or whatever and I remember posting something about that on my Instagram and like there were so many people that I worked with that just gave me shit for it um basically being like you know same bullshit that we're hearing now which is like all lives matter cops matter blah 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 and we had so many cops that came to that restaurant and so that was always the narrative there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was, I felt like it was obvious that I was a black woman in that space. And, like, I think it was really obvious that I was black. And I think it it became really obvious to me that I was a woman when, like, the sexual harassment and assault was happening. Then I was like, oh, yeah. Gosh, I guess I'm, I guess I'm a 16-year-old woman now. That's cool. Um... <laughs> But, yeah, I don't know. It was just always very clear in my place of work. I don't know if I answered your question really, Jolivia, but... No, <laughs> I feel I like I just went on a tangent. <laughs> no, 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 I think you did. I just, it, like, I don't know. It kind of sucked working as as a child with adults um, yeah. in a yeah. lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It was not uh-huh. great. It was not fantastic, honestly. Um, but again making that money and um Mm -hmm. you do it Mm -hmm. for a check too so (laughs) making that money with no type of real responsibility yeah i remember we thought we had responsibilities and now it's like (laughs) 
That's funny. Yeah. Not <laughs> truly, truly. Yeah. But I also was in that same... But I will say I kept my job at that restaurant all through college. Like, I would just... Whenever I went back home for the weekends or, like, holidays, I was always working there. Um, and I don't know why I put up with it for so long. when It's like I, I could have done other things, but... I don't know that I realized, like, that was something that I was putting up with at that age. Um, and I I think I felt like it was just part of the job. It was, like, that's, I don't know, that's just kind of what this world hands me and people that look like us. And, um, yeah, I, I don't think I considered it as something that, like, I could speak out against or be like, actually, I want to change the situation. Let me do something else. Because I just felt like oh everything is like this you know mm-hmm. so yeah yeah i'm like nah Reba and i were trying to quit every day we knew <laughs> honestly we yeah. knew yeah um but this i'm just like what what do you do for fun reem i mean i i see you on these social for media fun? streets like really out here advocating like, I don't. Like, I don't really know you, Reem. I just know, like, ooh, what just happened to my voice? Yeah. Y'all hear that? It's like, um, but <laughs> I don't really know you. But like, I did some Insta stalking briefly, and I was just like, oh, this girl is an yeah. activist. Like, I've never known an activist, mm. and I'm like, I don't even know what draws someone to that. How do you get there? Yeah. How do you do your leisure time lead you mm-hmm. there? I want to know it all. Let's take a deep dive into yeah. your life. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I'm going to be honest. I think um, after graduating in May, well, the whole, like, transition to virtual learning, even though it's, like, easier in a sense that you have, like, the flexibility to kind of be at home mm-hmm. um, and kind of do your work as it comes, um it was still kind of like that that going to class and driving to campus like I lost that structure in my day and so like starting from then like my my daily weekly schedule was kind of off um and so I needed that like I needed that structure in my day so my Mm. mind doesn't wander um so usually when I'm being avoidant I make myself super busy like I'm working two jobs my mind is still roaming let me get a third job because there's no way no way I will address these issues today (laughs) um but you know that's not always (laughs) that's not always the healthiest approach um and so um by the end like the second half of my master's program I needed to work on my thesis and so that was super time consuming and so I was busy even though I was home um but when I graduated it was kind of like there's nothing to do except like I was still working part-time and I still am um and I was just like what am I doing with my life because um I did the whole like doctoral interview whatever whatever I got an offer but it didn't really fit because I would have had to have gotten a second master's degree and I was like why'd I get this one if this is the case um and so I was like yeah no I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a hiatus um and so yeah and and I wasn't like using my degree and for me like even when I was in college that was such a big fear of mine like going to school for something and doing something completely different like for me like I know like rationally like that something different might be better or whatever 
um, but it also could be worse. And so that was always a fear, like, did I just waste four years of my life? Like, that, mm. the wasting of time is one of my biggest fears in life. <laughs> and so, like, finding myself working part-time at a retailer, even though it's, like, a blessing that I'm employed, because I could have easily yeah. been unemployed, but still, mm. like, I was just, like, knowing that you're overqualified for the role that you're in, but, like, having to stick with it, because you still have to, like, fill, or you know do your responsibilities um and so it was kind mm-hmm. of like tough like having to stay even though you don't want to stay um because what is the alternative being at home <laughs> 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 uh, and so and then you know having like my my parents are super supportive but they're also like um you know helicoptery my mom more than my dad and so uh she'd always be like Reem, what are you doing like oh when are you gonna get a job when are you gonna do this when are you gonna do that I'm like these are things that haunt my mind daily I know (laughs) I don't need you to remind me my friend I am stressing myself out already (laughs) um and so but I know that comes from a place of care um so yeah I was like I'd rather be out than than do that um and so I kind of started my social media stuff um thinking about like for me uh before I did my master's I was kind of apprehensive of of going into higher education because it seemed so unattainable for me because I was like I mean for me graduating high school some people were like oh my god great job because what Mm -hmm. is their expectation of me like you would not you know but that's just a stereotype and so graduating college you kind of get a similar response like oh my god like you did it I was like what did you think it was gonna be why would I even start (laughs) whatever let's keep it moving um but then because you know Um, when you go I don't know about yeah so in high school you know how your guidance counselor like sets up your schedule and you kind of do goals and she's like well, how about, like, not mm-hmm, honors? How mm-hmm. about this? This might be easier for you. Or how about community college, mm-hmm. not four-year? Like, Girl, that might be better for yeah. you. But, like, why do you think that's I, I think we, I actually... <laughs> um, that's no, go a ahead, whole... Jalobia. No, 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 you go. I was yeah. going to say, I remember telling my guidance counselor in high school, I was like, I want to go to Cornell, just as a joke. And he actually laughed at me. And I said, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> I was like, like what okay. is that telling people? Like, I what know, if that right? was your real dream? I mean, I wasn't, like, like a what? Great student, but I was good enough. I think I could have made it if I actually like tried for two semesters. I yeah. probably could have done it. <laughs> well, but, I was gonna say, like in yeah. similar fashion, I think yeah. you and I had the same guidance counselor dream because I remember being like, mm-hmm. I'm like these are the schools that I'm gonna go to, and the like the mm-hmm. automatic response was like, okay. And maybe we should think about, like, your ability to pay for those schools. So, like, what if you go to, like, um, community college for two years and then, but it's, like, and it's, like, uh, to me, that moment is, like, Mm -hmm. you should have been giving me scholarships. Like, Mm -hmm. if you really thought that I could not afford to go to college, you should have been giving me scholarships. Right. One. Two, bitch, my tuition was paid for, so fuck you. <laughs> That's how I feel. Um, but, yeah, there, yeah. but what is this trend that I, like, it's, it's, you know, we grew up in such yeah. different areas. Taylor's from mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, we're from Virginia, yeah. and it's like, doesn't matter. They, they see us all yeah. as the same. Yeah. Even though they, um, especially in suburbia, even though they mean well, they kind of have this, like, like their subconscious racism or like they've internalized these stereotypes so like why do you think I come from a low SES Mm -hmm. like what about me identifies that 
Because mm-hmm. it's not like I'm walking around with my bank account posted to my head. So obviously mm-hmm. you're assuming. What are you assuming on the basis of my skin color? Duh. So how about you just kind of reflect on yourself as an individual mm-hmm. before you go into like <laughs> the education system? Yeah. But let me not come at these, you know, middle. Uh, let me just stop because I'm a, I was about to go into some negativity. <laughs> no, I'll do it. No, I'll do it. <laughs> little boys. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, no, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, like, you know, if it's not helpful, I'm gonna just keep it to myself. Wow. So, anyways, but I'm gonna just, I know, I know, I know. Like, <laughs> yeah, because humor is good for the soul. Okay. It, it, no, but it's not humor. It's just hurtful. I was okay. like these middle-aged white women trying to help the black kids or save them or whatever it may be. Like I've always like whenever it came to like helping it's not always it's not from a place of like oh reem i see potential in you and so i want to help you Mm -hmm. it's like oh i want to i want to like let me do you want to come to my after school and like uh do this math worksheet i can help you i can uh, it's Mm -hmm. like i don't need if i wanted help i can seek it out whatever i'm not here to be like to help you feel like gratification like through helping Mm -hmm. me or whatever you think it is like i don't and on top (laughs) of that we were good students that's mm-hmm. the thing that yeah, I was me, not like, failing. Yes. So, <laughs> so like, if you were having like... those conversations with me, like, what were you telling the students mm-hmm. that were like actually, actually not doing well? Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, it was just weird. Like it was weird. Like the way they were approaching me to do things was not from like, oh, like we think this will be really like helpful to your growth. It was like we think you're underachieving. Even though, what, do you not look at my report card became, before you came and pulled me out of class? Agatha, what the hell? Agatha. Um, <laughs> there's no one named Agatha at our school, I don't think, and so I think it's a safe name. Yeah, that, that, that's you a good one. You just the, the first white name that came to mind. I know. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, and so, yeah, that was always weird to me. And then that kind of... I think in a way kind of rooted this kind of like I'm always second guessing myself like can I do it should I do it like is this because I think another thing being a child of immigrants is like you kind of prioritize like like realistic things that over your dreams so like even though I may Mm -hmm. have been passionate about things it's more like feasible for my future to like go into like a more like traditional job like rather than studying art studying something in the sciences because I think for for I think many children of immigrants can relate to this feeling of like making sure you like don't like what's it called waste your parents sacrifice Uh of immigrating here and giving up what uh giving up like their family giving up and compromising their own futures just for the sake of giving you opportunity and so there's this pressure to like not make the wrong choices and so having those experiences combined with that belief already just kind of like puts you in like a you're always second guessing what am I doing Mm -hmm. is this right am I wasting my time and so yeah but I mean just studying psychology like I had to get my parents on the bandwagon with that and so it wasn't like I was following the traditional like path to success (laughs) um but I tried like I went into college as a bio (laughs) major but I was like this is not for me this is not who I am (laughs) I can't do this um but I think I think I was also like wondering like am I saying this because like it's hard or am I saying this because I don't want to actually do it like do I not want to apply like effort or is it because Mm -hmm. like I genuinely am not interested like Mm -hmm. distinguishing between those two things like it was very Mm -hmm. hard because usually like even if something is difficult you still do it because it's beneficial for you and so I've never like given up on something 
that I've started because you see it through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is the that is the mentality. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. I'm like, wait, um, whose voice think, do you hear that in right. in your mind? Like, um, that's my, that's my mother. She's like, uh, what's it called? For me, I'm a cancer, and so I'm super emotional and in my feelings all the time, but I've learned to embrace it. But when I'm stressed, like, especially when I was in, like, high school, and, like, even middle school, I was even more emo and angsty. Like, I was, like, I think I was goth for a period of time. That was cute. I liked her, that Reem. That was a nice Reem. But anyways, um, yeah, she's always saying... Uh, in Arabic, she's always saying "abgigawia," and that means like "be strong," because like, like, what's it called? It's just it's not. You can't just sit and cry. Like that's not going to solve anything. Even though it does promote healthy emotional maintenance and balance. But who am I to say that? But um, but yeah, like not wasting your time. <laughs> Wait, I'm I'm like hold up, feeling unpacking. As yeah. a child of immigrants, okay. And I, this is a generalization, but I think it's a pretty fair generalization Mm -hmm. that most people who immigrate to the U.S. do not necessarily believe in mental health, do not necessarily believe in therapy, psychology. And I'm like, how did you end up on the, not only did you go to college for it, but you have a master's in psychology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, uh, well, funny thing, my mom actually majored in psychology and uh, kindergarten education, Um, and so for her, I think part of it is, like, she, like, after she, she, like, came to America after, like, getting married to my dad, and so she just needed to get her degree conferred and take, like, a couple of additional classes, but, like, it just, life did not pan out that way, and so I think from her own personal experience, Mm. she doesn't, like see it as something like that like you can make a career out of but then also I think there's also like the societal stigma as well like um yeah I agree like mental health is kind of seen as a luxury for like those who have money um and have like so for example in Sudan like there are actually people who don't have electricity access to clean water um like just like these essentials for survival and so I've noticed when I do post on social media talking about things like colorism or like mental health there's a pushback from some people saying like these things are trivial when you're like comparing it to these like actual living necessities and i agree but i also think that like in terms of like su- like sustaining yourself as an individual like even after you've kind of attained these like essentials for survival like you're not going to be able to thrive if you don't address intergenerational trauma you're not going to be able to survive um if you don't um you know kind of seek out therapy if you need it i'm not saying everyone needs it but i'm saying like the the, as a country we've just kind of overthrown you know like um i don't want to say the long uh the wrong year so i'm not but i'm saying we just overthrew a 30-year dictatorship and the oppression from that is trauma experiencing a revolution gives you trauma and so like there is a need for seeking out mental health services especially now more Mm -hmm. than ever um and so i try to you know, be mindful because that argument is valid and I try to respect it. But also, like, you can't just generalize and say, like, okay, mental health is trivial because it's not, because it really does affect your quality of life. Um, and so for me, kind of watching my family and, like, people close to me and even myself kind of deal with these things, be it depression or anxiety, um, they, like, I think mental health is difficult for people to kind of perceive as an illness because it's not always like physically observable. It's not like a broken arm 
or like a cut um and so i think that's why certain people struggle with acknowledging it um but it can escalate and become like more life-threatening than say a broken arm or a cut if that makes sense um mm-hmm. so yeah that's how i got into it um and i think it it constantly like impacts like the things that i work on um and i think my parents have learned to love it all my aunts back home want uh therapy um free of course um <laughs> and so i'm just like my friends i'm like i'm not i'm not licensed i'll listen to you as an individual because i think that's the thing too like just having someone to listen to, listen. to you yeah. i think that is also very like um powerful um but yeah no i i think they're kind of realizing that more because um say for example like for me my grandmother like getting married at 14 like that is not normal even though like culturally it may have been normal back in the times but developmentally like a person is not ready for any of that and then how does that affect you raising your children like of course like the way you parent is going to be affected by that so Mm. what trauma are your children carrying and how is that passed on to my generation now so like there 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 are it's it's passed down across generations and so unpacking that to then set up the next generation to be able to like thrive rather than internalizing the same things that past generations have just for the sake of survival um yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. did that answer your question that did answer my question and it's super Mm. random it brought me to not what you're saying but my thought process it brought me to i once went to go see a psychic um to get my palm read and the psychic she literally told me she said there is a generational curse um on your family of like inability to it's not it's not an inability to love but like inability to stay in healthy relationships um and she and she Mm -hmm. essentially was like you are at a crossroads right now and there are two men in your life and one of them would be continuing with that generational curse, and that is the the route that you are more like um, drifting towards, or leaning towards, or is pulling you. And the other mm-hmm. one would allow you to break that curse. And here I am, having mm-hmm. picked the other route, and like truly <laughs> feeling like a oh curse God. was broken. But and I don't, I don't think that it's a curse, right? Mm-hmm. But it is generational mm-hmm. trauma and like what you've learned and what you've been taught about love and how that's been passed down and like what I Mm -hmm. was willing to put up with my partner because of what I understood about love um so yeah yeah I because I think um even when I'm because like lately I've been getting into a lot of like um like women empowerment and like talking about like gender-based violence and things like that I think in our culture like the beliefs that are like so deeply rooted in our culture kind of in a way I'm not going to say like they promote like violence against women but a lot of women will like stay in unhealthy relationships because people are like that's just how men are Mm -hmm. and so I can see how like these women cannot see like a an alternative to what they're experiencing and they think because of like how frequently it happens or how common it is it's normal and so it is really dangerous to kind of like adopt certain beliefs like it could actually like negatively affect you um physically emotionally and so yeah that's that's one thing I try to like encourage because oftentimes like 
marriage is seen as like rather than just kind of like this it's supposed to be like a union of two people in love and like a commitment to kind of take take care of each other and be with each other for the rest of your life right but other people kind of see it as an escape from being at home maybe like uh, women who didn't have the opportunity to seek out an education like a man is their way out um and so I think even just like the concept of getting married and the way that's perceived varies across individuals um but yeah it is kind of scary sorry I was just like listening to you talk and I was like you have such a good voice (laughs) (laughs) I know that's so (laughs) random but I was like it's such a good voice it's that it's that Virginia twang you know (laughs) <laughs> sure, sure. Is it? Not, I don't know. No, not at all. We don't have accents. <laughs> I try so hard. Um, no, but I mean, sorry, go ahead. No, Tay, what are you thinking? You're so quiet. No, I was gonna say I some just, people try to act I, like they do <laughs> have an accent in Virginia. They try to act like they're from the south. So, love you. You ever do that? <laughs> Do I ever act like I'm from the South? Um, I used to when I was in a freshman. Because, but not, like, on purpose, but people would ask me. I'd say I was from Virginia, and people would oh, be yeah. like, oh, my God, do you live on a farm? Do you have this? Do you have that? And I'd be like, yeah. And then I'd go down and it. you're like, of course I mm-hmm. do. Sure do, Southern mm-hmm. Belle. Um, but, Taylor, you're so <laughs> quiet. What are you thinking? I'm always quiet, Chalovia. The lies she tells. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually, I'm just wondering, like, because, okay, I'm just going to cut my question short. I'm not even going to give out the backstory. But you're just so invested and so into and, like, in terms of building happier, better, more stable generations. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just so into everything. And I'm wondering, like, what is, especially when it comes to your work with, in Sudanese culture and in Sudan, like, what is the thing that is touching your heart the most right now? Um, I think for me, like, right now, something that's really been, like, sustaining my motivation, because I think, I think we can all agree that creating a platform on social media, sometimes engagement goes up, sometimes it goes down for no reason, and so you kind of question, like, how important is this like does anyone even care that i posted Mm -hmm. today like it makes you Mm -hmm. wonder like what is the value of taking the time to do this work right um and sometimes like looking at those kind of metrics will is 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 misleading because sometimes people for whatever reason may not double tap the photo but they received your message or they may listen to the podcast but they won't comment on a post and so it's kind of hard to gauge like the impact and so what i'm i'm beginning to realize is that well in terms of like the work I do in Sudan like I think the youth are like very ready for change and not like just kind of like this um this symbolic change of like oh we overthrew a dictator because we know that the systems that oppressed us still exist and the people that ruled with him when he was um the president of of Sudan are still leaders in this like transitional government and so they know that the work isn't done Mm -hmm. And they're kind of committed to that long haul. And I think that's similar and it draws a lot of parallels to what's happening in the States. And so seeing that like passion and drive um, really encourages me to continue to um, speak on things that may have traditionally been taboo or like um, unpack complicated topics 
or whatever it may be or like bring attention to things that are happening in Sudan because there's like a big lack of accurate and unbiased information and so that's why I do the work I do um yeah that's that's it and I think um for me like before especially when it came to like perceiving like or like perceiving my ability or capacity to like actually create change I'd be like who am I little old Reem in Ashburn, Virginia <laughs> what am I gonna change um <laughs> but it's not like change and like that you can see because if you think about like some of the great leaders um of the past like oftentimes they've dedicated their entire life to a cause and they don't even see the fruit of their labor so it's not about seeing like the end outcome but being part of that journey towards like positive change and so I'm willing to I'm willing to put in my steps forward into the cause and throw those in until it's time for me to go and for me I'm satisfied with that um and you know even if it's just like one person out of like everyone that follows me that reaches out and is like wow this really touched me or like wow this really like resonated with me like finding power through that rather than trying to find or like finding my value through like engagement or like likes or whatever it may be because social media can kind of get a bit superficial sometimes and so using it as like a platform rather than like my main place of existing mm-hmm. mm. I love that <laughs> I'm like I feel like we need a little bit of that of just like making sure that we <laughs> our vision and like our purpose with this is staying true and clear and motivates us enough mm-hmm. to like be on our social media because we are so bad mm-hmm. about our social media um oh, we're sure. great about the podcast <laughs> yeah. about doing it the action of it mm-hmm. but the posting mm-hmm. stuff um wish it could translate there yeah but i i would say yeah. like so our podcasts especially in the guests that we bring on it's mostly about like just bringing on black women that are different from us that are into different things because when black cracks it's like when we're not what the world expects us to be as black women and I really Mm -hmm. appreciate that in your content on your Instagram because I will say like before this pod I told Tolivia I was like so you want me to do research this week because I truly know nothing about Sudan I like truly no clue barely knew where it was barely knew where it was didn't Um, know it was in Africa in the same way (laughs) no in the same way in the same way that I that Uh I was taught that like Egypt is in the Middle East like that's how I've heard about Mm -hmm. Sudan and so I was like let me just google this country real quick and I don't know what the google algorithm says about me I don't know what I'm searching or whatever but the first like four five six seven links were just like why is Sudan so violent like this is why Sudan is so violent blah blah Mm. blah blah Mm -hmm. and I was just like that's wild that like that is what people are learning about Sudan and their first like encounter with the country and with the people and I don't know just the way that you show what's happening over there and like you show the culture I don't know I just really appreciate it because it just shows like it's not what you think it is you're do- you're showing people something other than what they <laughs> might want you to see you know so mm-hmm. I don't know I just I love your content yeah. the little that I've seen of it the little that I've stalked <laughs> um but right. I think it's wonderful 
No, but I agree. I think a lot of people don't get, like, the full picture. And even for, like, uh, like Sudanese youth now or the community, I think oftentimes to find mm-hmm. community, it hasn't always been in with among, or, sorry, to find community, it hasn't always been among other Sudanese people. Like, we often choose, like, which, like, either or are we going to pick. And it would be, like, are we going to, like, find community with, like, black people? Are we going to find community with Ethiopian people that have similar, like, traditions and values um, but aren't quite, like, you know, just like us? Or are we going to try to, like, assimilate to other cultures? And so what I'm trying to kind of promote now is, like, uh, finding or being empowered by being, like, Sudanese and, like, figuring out what that means to you rather than just knowing oh it's your ethnicity like making meaning of your identity and so like encouraging that not just with like your Sudanese identity kind of all of your identities but kind of promoting that as like you know this is a great option as well (laughs) um as you kind of explore your different identities so I do have a question that like circles back to something that you said before and Please just be like, nah, I don't want to talk about that if you don't want to. Um, but you did say something about like posting about colorism and how you get a little bit of backlash for that. Yeah. Um, and I'm just because I know your family and I'm wondering like how colorism has impacted you uh-huh. and like what what you have seen to make you want to speak out on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So for me, um, I think kind of like figuring out what being beautiful means to me and what my own beauty standards are outside of kind of the ones that are projected at us has kind of been a lifelong journey but I think in every culture there's kind of a beauty ideal regardless of like which con like which culture you're immersed in um and and so if we're talking about American culture it's like you know mm-hmm. like being a skinny tall model-esque or I mean statuesque whatever it may be having like whatever the the, and, and the U.S. is big on trends. So, like, be it, like, clothes trends, you have to go buy it, a haircut, the latest makeup, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, these trends c- come and go. Um, but kind of, like, in terms of, like, uh, ideal body shape, ideal, like, facial features, like, those kind of, like, stay for a while. Um, I think, like, at one time, it was, like, very, like, in the early 2000s, it was, like, very, like, skinny, um, and you have your low-waisted jeans and your crop top. <laughs> um, but then, like, we're kind of getting later into, like, the Kim K, like, <laughs> very, like, skinny waist, big hips, whatever. Like, you know, like, we have different trends. So those come and go, and you kind of take them as they come. Um, but I think in Sudan, there's always been, like, a value placed on people who have lighter skin. Um, and so you see, like, women and girls going out and buying, like, um, bleaching creams, or like a lot of pharmacies will make like different mixes uh, to kind of help lighten your skin because say even if you aren't like physically like uh, the the fitting into like the beauty standards if you're white you're still beautiful than someone who may be fitting those beauty standards and has darker skin so I think when it comes to like the hierarchy mm-hmm. of beauty like lighter skin has always like held the precedence over everything else um, and so I see how that may affect like young women and girls and how they perceive themselves and the things that they do to kind of attain like this higher status um and it can be like it can actually have like a lot of negative health implications mentally and physically um you know like when you bleach your skin and you don't take the proper precaution um it can cause like irreversible damage and so 
when I talk about colorism, it's not coming from a place of like, colorism is bad, like don't be racist. That's not what it is. It's saying like, why does our society like hold lighter skinned people at a higher <laughs> regard um, in the way that we speak um, and the slang that we use for different skin types um, and the derogatory language we use for people who are darker. And then in Sudan, we kind of see this manifest in um, Darfur, like people who are typically like lighter complected, like how does that play a role in our neglect for the crisis that has been in the con or in that part of the country for years? And so I do think that there are like that's kind of influenced by racism, mm -hmm. that's influenced by colorism, and it's definitely influenced by colonialism. And like, what role do we play in perpetuating the violence that um, people in Darfur experience and have been experiencing for years now? And so it's not. It's always just kind of looking at the bigger picture and asking why. And it's just to kind of spark conversation and start a dialogue because like these beliefs have kind of like rooted themselves in our society over years. And so obviously it's gonna take time to kind of reverse that. And it's not really gonna like actually start shifting or changing until we really take a talk about it and bring those conversations into our homes in our communities that we exist in. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, I feel like you just, I mean, you've always been so intelligent, but I feel like I've just, like, I'm like, damn, she really, like, got smart and shit. Like, ah! she really learned so much. <laughs> <laughs> she got degrees. <laughs> she got degrees. Um, but it, it doesn't feel like it's, like, a, a textbook learning experience. Like, it really feels like it's, yeah, like, no, embodied no. within you, um, mm -hmm. which is really, really. Sounds like some soul searching. Yep. Yeah, which is impressive, <laughs> empowering, ad admirable. Like, okay, girl, right? Um, inspiring, even inspiring, so <laughs> inspiring. Uh, we do want to wrap up with something fun, though, mm -hmm. and so I, okay. I just want to be like, for real though, Reem. Like, what do you do for fun? Because I know you are silly. Like, I know that you, <laughs> like, you're a little bit of a jokester. So, like. Where do you get mm -hmm. the most laughs? Um, I think for me lately, um, just watching like trash TV. And I think that is kind of something like we share a love for really trash television. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, we do. you know, watching we really 90 Day do. Fiance, <laughs> watching Love and Hip Hop, it really just takes <laughs> me out girl. of reality. That is my girl. Um... <laughs> And I kind of have gotten invested with, like, the new, like, cast of people. And, like, Love and Hip Hop, like, I will ride and die for that cast. Um, but, yeah. I Atlanta. think the earlier seasons are Plus. better quality. Atlanta, definitely, mm -hmm. is superior. Um, and mm -hmm. if you want to get into it, I would start <laughs> from season one. Because the later seasons look more... Like, they give me more scripted vibes. Like, it's not... Like, mm -hmm. you're not really throwing that chair out of rage. Like, it was in the script. I know it was in the script. It's, it doesn't feel authentic. Um, and so, um, I think that. And then just kind of trying to, I think, for me, like, post, or while we're in COVID, eventually we will reach post-COVID. But being in COVID, I've kind of underestimated, like, the value of human interaction and so, like, another thing that kind of makes me feel human is mm -hmm. taking the time to talk to people on the phone 
rather than just texting. And so that's been fun too, just kind of FaceTiming friends and taking the time to do that. But yeah, a good episode of Trash TV and skincare really like heals my soul. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know if that was the exciting answer you were looking for. That was for. exactly really what I was looking girl. for. That, that was it. That was perfect. Um, well... Now I just found my friend that I can text about 90 Day because, Mm -hmm. one, either none of my friends watch it or none of them are caught up. And I'm like, I don't want to text you about two seasons ago. Like, I want to talk about what's happening now. How are they not caught up? Doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. Um, But, Reem, thank you so much for visiting our podcast. Um, Truly. I can't wait to have you back. I'm like, we're going to put you on the books for the next episode. Um, because this was, not only was this, like, super informative, but, like I said before, like, I truly feel like this comes from your soul and from soul searching, and I'm so excited to see, like, Mm -hmm. as you continue on this journey, like, the things that you're able to unlock within yourself and within the work that you're doing. Yeah, thank Mm -hmm. you again for having me, and I'm looking forward to seeing you guys (laughs) take over the world with this podcast. (laughs) Oh! Oh my gosh, stop. No, just that's light. I don't even need to take over the world. Just the U.S. I know, right? <laughs> if they could give me a reality TV show, I would be set. I've been I've been prepping my whole life for a reality yes. TV show. Oh, my gosh. Um, but before we close out, though, we do want to give you the opportunity to, like, drop your plugs, you know, tell our yeah. viewers where they can find you. Not a plug opportunity. Yes. Wow. Quality service, 10 out of 10. Do you guys have a Yelp? (laughs) That's what we need. You can start one. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'll look into it. Um, I don't really have much to plug. Um, Let's see. Um, I guess if you want to stay or if you want to check out my social media stuff, you can follow me at Reem Showcat, that's R as in rainbow, E as in elephant. I'm just kidding. It's R E E M S H A W K A T. Um, and then if you want to follow um, my organization, um, it's at Moving Forward Sudan. Um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Thank, Incredible. Oh. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Um, and on. Amazing. Three, we have to say bye. So, one, two, three. Bye. Bye. Bye.